I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. I'm uh, Matt Hofeld along with Rich DeCray. we got a brand new episode here to hang out with you guys, uh, talk all kinds of things about Oklahoma. We've got some football talk, Big 12, uh, worst to first, talking about post-spring rankings. Uh, we're going to tell you how we rank the 10 teams at the Big 12 and why. Well, we got to talk about Big 12 softball tournaments starting on Friday. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the top two seeds in that tournament um, recruiting class, where how's Oklahoma looking for 2020? Uh, will we get your answer on that as well as what are some things that they need to look at for 2020? One thing I want to start out with though, is, uh, the over unders are out. Have you seen this rich? I not, not an official. I've seen where websites have started publishing their own predictions on how many wins each right. team will have more specifically those that they believe will be in the top 25 of the rankings when they're officially published. Well, the 2019 uh, over-under win totals are out. And uh, no surprise, Oklahoma, the top team in the Big 12. Uh, you want to guess what, what their total is? Yeah, it's at 10, I believe. Uh, you already knew this? Well, like I said, others have just copied it. Okay, so, so I felt like a general consensus all right, so has we, been 10. And I've only seen one that puts it at 11. Do you know who's next? In terms of the Big 12? Yeah, yeah. Or who's the, ne- no, who's, oh, who's okay, the next okay. Big 12 team? Um, I would have to guess it's Texas it's at this Texas. point. You want to mm-hmm. guess their total? Uh, I'm going to say 10 as well. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Just behind Oklahoma. And then you want to – there's only three that made this list. You want to know – good effort. Do you you get know, half win. <laughs> you want to know what the win total uh, – who, who's the third? Who would you guess would be the third? Man, if I had to, like I said, just take a complete guess, which is what you're asking me to do here. I've got my ranking sitting in front of me, and I don't want to spoil them. So um, just throwing a random name out there. It could be Iowa State. It could not be Iowa State. <laughs> <laughs> the third team to make this list is actually Oklahoma State at six. And they're even money at six on, on the win total. Uh, Texas, if you take the uh, – Texas is even money at uh, 110. And then Oklahoma is um, – they're, they're plus 120 on the under, minus 148 on the over. So, uh, yeah, so you don't want to – you know, here, here's the thing. Here's here's what I want to start out with on, on this. Just talking about th- – this is – I don't know how many years in a row this is now for Oklahoma to have their win total somewhere between nine and a half to ten and a half. Right, they're they're right in the middle of that with ten this coming year. But well, here's what it here's what it speaks to. It speaks to the longevity of the Oklahoma football program. I I know, and it's when when you're not Oklahoma. The reality is you want to be like Oklahoma. But if you you take a school down south like Texas, and what are they going to say? They're going to say, well, all you can do is win the Big 12 championship. Look, look what you do in the bowl games. Look what you do in the playoffs and in those big games. And even Bob Stoops had that moniker of big game Bob where he struggled in some of those big games. But the reality is 
there's not a school in the Big 12 that played in more big games during the, the 19 years or however many years, was it 16 years, that Bob Stoops was the head coach at the University of Oklahoma. No one played in more big games. Obviously, no one won more championships than what Bob Stoops did uh, when we're talking about the Big 12. And then you look at a transferring over to Lincoln Riley, and you hear all this crud from, from the rivals. You hear Oklahoma State fans talk about it. You hear Texas fans talk about it. But year in and year out, when you look at where Oklahoma is slated to be as the season approaches there every other school in the big 12 wants to be where oklahoma is and, and think about this it's it's actually a meme i saw on twitter that's just straight to the point you know texas fan all you guys do is win big 12 championships you can't win the big bowl game texas fan all we want to do is win a big 12 championship the reality is they want to be like oklahoma but as the saying goes there's only one Oklahoma. What are your thoughts on Oklahoma? Are they the clear-cut favorites in the Big 12 this year? We're going to jump into the the rankings, and and I know you both. I, I, I without breaking any ground here, I know we both will have Oklahoma number one. Are they the clear-cut favorite? I believe that you could honestly split it. There there is a case to be made from really? the sole purpose of you look at what Texas has. If we're going to put them at number two, spoiler alert. This isn't in game. Are we going to put him at number spoiling. two? I I believe so. Okay. Matt. If, if we'll I had see. to put money down on it, this is going to be. If I had to bet uh, some more hot dogs. A, it would a be a more interesting conversation be than there. I thought. So for me, you look at the fact that Oklahoma and Texas split. Texas got the regular season. Oklahoma got them when it counted. Ended up going to the college football playoff based upon the resume that they had put together, and a portion of that was that Big Twelve championship win. When you look at what. Texas brings back, they've got a set quarterback. We know who's starting there. We know who's starting for Oklahoma. We just haven't seen him in an Oklahoma Sooners jersey at this point. So, like I said, I think there's a case that can be made, but I still, I, I've got to give that edge to Oklahoma because I've always taken the standpoint you have to dethrone someone before I'll remove them from the position of favorites to win the conference once again. You're listening to Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. All right, well, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to take the top 10. Uh, well, there's only 10 schools. We're going to take the 10 Big 12 schools. We're going to rank them from worst to first coming out of the spring. And here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to tell you uh, who, who, who the team is. And then we're going to tell you why we have them ranked based – for me, it's like the biggest need uh, or the biggest issue. You've got other other lo logical reasons for your rankings. But here we go. We're going to go uh, go 10 through 5, take a quick break, come back and do uh, – sorry, 10 through 6, take a quick break, come back and do 5 through 1. So number 10 for you is going to be the Kansas Jayhawks. It is going to be the Kansas Jayhawks. And I think Les Miles coming back to the Big 12 is an intriguing – Storyline is certainly something to follow, but in his first year at the university, 
they're just not going to have the talent, in my opinion, to compete or to really better themselves. Now, I think they get a couple wins this year, Matt, but if we're going to set an over-under, as you were talking about previously, it's it's going to be pretty low. It's it's at probably going to be at two, yeah. maybe three max, but two is what we're really looking at. So, like I said, it really comes down to not the coaching on this one. It's It's the talent pool that they've got on the roster currently. Well, yeah, and, and I, I, no secret, I've got Kansas number 10 as well. And and Les Miles is fun. The, the Big 12 needed Les Miles, okay? But Les Miles is in a hard spot because of it's not just talent that they need. They need bodies. If you, if you look at their roster, their roster is limited the way it is. They, they, did, they did blue shirts. Uh, they, they hit up Juco a lot. They had kids transfer in, and they also had kids transfer out. This is a roster that it's going to take less miles, a full one to maybe two seasons just to get the roster to where he can be competitive in his own house, much less competitive in the Big 12. I mean, these guys cannot there, – there's no way you're going to – I saw zero of Kansas in spring scrimmage, okay? But there's no way you're going to convince me that they're competitive just right there in their own practices. They, they can't. They don't have the bodies to be able to do that. And when you can't be competitive in your own house, well, you can't be competitive across the board when you're talking about the conference. I do think Les Miles is a good enough football brain that he's going to find them some ways to win. And there's games, truthfully, under David Beatty. And then, I mean, going all the way back to, to Charlie Weiss and even the last year of Mark Mangino, there were games that this team had the ability to win, but they lost. Mm -hmm. I believe Les Miles will make a difference in those games moving forward because he is a good football coach, but he needs bodies. And 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 until he's get until he gets the bodies, what you said about Oklahoma, you're number one until someone knocks you off. Well, I feel like that's the same thing for last. You're, you're mm -hmm. last until you prove you're not last anymore, and that's not going to happen this year. Kansas will finish last in the Big 12 but it'll be close because I've got Kansas State uh, number nine. Again, a new, a new head coach, uh, right. Chris uh, Kleiman, uh, North Dakota State fame. They, they've, got, uh, they've, got some, they've got more pieces in place than, than Kansas does, but not a whole lot. Their biggest – the reason I, I look at them and I think the biggest thing that they need is a running back. They need a running back that you will respect, that will threaten because it doesn't matter who they, – they've got a returning quarterback – They've got talent on the edge, but if you don't respect the running game, it really limits what you can do offensively. And there, that is a, a giant gaping question mark around Manhattan, Kansas right now. And their running back may not even be on campus yet. I, I don't know, uh, but they, they've got that's, – that's, that's the big question mark there, uh, Kansas uh, running back. I don't think they'll be a bowl eligible. I had the exact same concern when looking at the Wildcats specifically can they run the football so i'm gonna interrupt you so you have kansas state number nine i as do well? have kansas okay. state number nine kansas number 10 kansas state number nine honestly what i had written in my notes is is that they must prove that they can run the ball before i'll move them up this list and we've seen time and time again where running the ball does play a vital role in the big 12 mm -hmm. it may not be the most electric thing to happen on the field, but the teams who can run the ball are generally speaking are the ones who win these games. We look at Oklahoma and the two Heisman winners, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, they really overshadowed what Oklahoma has had in the backfield for these past two years. And so when we begin to look at specifically this league and the offenses, you have to do something to keep 
the opponents off balance and it comes through that running game. Are they going to, is Kansas state going to be able to field someone who is capable of not only running the ball, but coming out of the backfield and making things happen in the passing game as well. That's yet to be seen. I've got them at number nine for that specific reason. When you're one dimensional, you're going to, you're going to suffer. Yeah. And you brought up a good point about running backs because what people, when, when you look at Baker Mayfield, you look at Kyler Murray, when, when people think Big 12 football, particularly with Oklahoma, they, they think the passing game. But don't overlook the 1,000-yard rushers that have come through Oklahoma in recent years uh, because that's that's a big key to why that passing game works because you freeze those linebackers. Uh, you make those safeties creep mm-hmm. up with the play action. And that and, goes all the way back to Jason White. True, true. And his Heisman. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Kansas number 10, Kansas State number nine. We're, we're going yeah, lockstep. I'll, I'll go ahead and give my yeah, number, eight. Who you got number eight. I've got TCU. And Ooh. the reality for I me is – I thought we would have a difference here. And, and here we go. I, I like Gary Patterson. I like what he's capable of putting on the field, producing in terms of games. But you're asking the question of does Kansas have enough bodies? I'm asking that about TCU because they didn't even have a spring game. That okay, I, I, I'll get well, I'll, when I get to TCU. Remind me to. If we're basing that. this off of the spring, Matt, okay. I've got nothing to go on. That's why they fall at number eight for me. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll come back. <laughs> Oklahoma State didn't have a spring game, by the way. That's so good. I mean, I, I, you got Oklahoma State down they, there. They at actually the, had practices, right? Well, Scrimmages. so the TCU barely. Okay, well, I'll come we'll, back to we'll that. By the way, we'll you, you saw Ohio State quarterback. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Is transferring to TCU, the 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 grad transfer kid. Uh, was he a grad transfer? I'll look that up and, and get back to you. But there, a uh, kid from Ohio State, a quarterback, is transferring to uh, to Fort Worth, Texas. I've got West Virginia number eight, and I thought this might this. I, I didn't think you would have the Mountaineers that low, but again, uh, a brand oh, new head coach. Um, you know, you got Neil Brown coming from Troy. Uh, uh, look, Troy. Troy's a, a program that that made some noise. They 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 upset some of the SEC schools that they played. They played other SEC schools extremely tough. Um, but I, I, I'm wondering what he's going to first year in the Big 12. He, he, here's where he's handicapped. Dana Holgerson left a a bare cupboard in Morgantown. You, you look at offensively the guys that are gone, defensively the guys that are gone, and really defensively Dana Holgerson didn't leave a lot. I mean he never really had a lot defensively in Morgantown. And so I I don't I don't know about Neil Brown. I I know, I mean. Austin Kendall went there and, and coming out of their spring, Neil Brown's talking about a walk on quarterback being the guy that, that kind of was the star in the spring. And then you've got three guys already there, including Austin Kendall, including the kid who played in their bowl game, started the bowl game. Once Will Greer decided, uh, you know, teammates don't really matter as long as you can make it in the NFL and set that bowl game out. Um, you know, I, I just I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't have high expectations for West Virginia right now just because it's a first year head coach, because there was always, always, always question marks um, on on defense. Now you don't have Will Greer. You don't have steals that the receiver who I can't believe didn't get drafted. But um, I just uh, a lot of question marks, a lot of holes to fill. So West Virginia come in in number eight for me. Number seven, I've got the one and only Texas Tech. Red Raiders minus Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> Texas Tech, my number seven. And and here's his Matt Wells. Again, so far, 10, 9, 8, and 7, we're talking about new new head coaches. 
here in the conference. Mm-hmm. Matt Wells, you know, his biggest need. I mean, he's, he's got potentially one of the top four, top three, maybe top two quarterbacks in the Big 12. They've got a stud at quarterback. But Cliff Kingsbury, we talked about West Virginia and Dana Holgerson and the, the laps on defense. Cliff Kingsbury never had a defense in Lubbock. You, you talk about a, a not just a position that's been abandoned, but an entire side of the football field that was abandoned during the years of Cliff Kingsbury. Constantly one of the worst defenses in the nation and absolutely the worst defense in the Big 12. Matt Wells has his work cut out for him because his rebuild in Lubbock starts on the defensive side of the ball. And when you're going week in and week out against Big 12 offenses, that defensive side of the ball is where it's hard to grow that side, especially in your first year. Uh, Texas Tech, I I think, will be fringe bowl eligible, uh, but number seven in the Big 12 for me. Number seven, I I did put West Virginia there for the reasons that you have mentioned. New coach, new system. I think this is a a steep year with a learning curve for West Virginia. But, Matt, I'm putting Texas Tech there as well. I've got (laughs) TCU obviously a little bit lower than where you're going with them. West Virginia just ahead of them because, like as you've said, We don't really know who that starting quarterback is. We know that there's a competition. We know what the word coming out of West Virginia is. Texas Tech in a very similar situation. The one thing that they they don't have going for them is really anything, if you're asking me. No, they've got a quarterback. They've got really good quarterback. They do. They do have always got speed at the skill position. Yeah. I get that, but here's as what, long as he can breathe, because you had two I, ruptured, uh, two lung collapses. Here's last what I'm year. talking about with, with Texas Tech, though, is they want to get themselves into this run and gun style of play. The problem with that is the other the other schools in the Big Twelve can play that exact same style. It's who's going to get that stop, and I have zero trust in Texas Tech to get those stops. Oh, I agree because of who they have previously been, regardless of who the coach is. Mm-hmm. What I've been reading, regardless if it's Cliff Kingsbury there, who's not there anymore, has left that role. Someone has filled that void. The word that I've read is they are still going to have this air raid, right. run and gun type offense, and so I'm not expecting much to change. I think they can surprise. A couple of teams catch them off guard if they can get a couple of turnovers here and there. But if we're just ranking them based on the spring, I really have West Virginia, Texas Tech interchangeable at that 7-6 position. Okay, I can see that. I I, I can roll with that. All right, so give me um, give me your six. six man. Like I said, six. I've it's got, Texas Tech. I have Texas Tech. Okay, so officially currently. Texas Tech is mm-hmm. six, West Virginia seven. Right, but I okay. I could easily swap them gotcha. tomorrow. Okay, all right. So I've got me one bit. number six. For me, is Oklahoma State. Uh, Mike Gundy. Uh, Dang. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I. I no, no, at, no, not that. I'm just oh. thinking you haven't even listed TCU. Yet. Um, okay. uh, well, that's okay. true. Uh, number six, I've got uh, Oklahoma State. Um, they've got they've got skill positions. We know Mike Gundy can coach offense. They they've got receivers. They've got running backs. I think Chuba Hubbard will be one of the top running backs in the Big Twelve. Big question mark here is who's going to be your quarterback. Um, you know, you got Drew Brown, you got Spencer Sanders, you've got this. I believe it's going to be a quarterback competition that goes on into the summer, into the month of August. Uh, Mike Gundy even hinting that he could play two quarterbacks. I don't, I don't think that's a good situation. I don't think anybody thinks it's a good situation, which made me believe 
that Mike Gundy might actually do that. Um, but they're, they're, here's where I struggle with Oklahoma State uh, being top five in the Big 12 is I think they're going to take a hit or they have taken a hit along the defensive line. Their, their offensive line has been questionable at best the last two years. Now I think they're going to be questionable on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And you're also breaking in a brand new offensive coordinator. And he's either, he's either got to click immediately with whoever the new quarterback is, because if there's a growing pain, if there's a learning curve at all here, then Oklahoma State's in trouble because I've got them along with Texas Tech fringe uh, bowl eligibility uh, going into this season. When I, when I talked about earlier about the, uh, the over-under win total, um, I, I think Oklahoma State at six is pretty much right where they need to be. I, I you would have to, it, I'll see. I'm gonna see what the quarterback is, but you would actually have to do some convincing on me to get me to take that over at six for Oklahoma State. Shocked or no? I'm not an entirely shocked, but for slightly different reasons. When I'm looking at Oklahoma State, because they're my num- my my next team, I'm gonna spoil my five, okay, okay. for you. Um, when I'm looking at Oklahoma State, there is potential there. We know that Mike Gundy is a good coach. We know he's he's in it for the long haul. He's not going anywhere. He's invested right. in Stillwater. But we can go back a little bit further to a couple of the press conferences that he had, and we know that he's vested in these players in their development. It certainly shows on the field. I think they're capable. They've got a, a higher ceiling, but they've also got a low floor. That's my okay. my initial take on them. All right. Well, we're going to get in our top five. We already know who Richards is. Uh, we'll get in our top five in just a second. Okay, so top five. Here we go. This is where this is where the rubber meets the road um, because to me, the, when you get to the top four, you've got contenders for the Big 12 championship. I, I think five's on the outside looking in. But top four, those are the four teams that are going to contend to play for the Big 12 championship. You've got Oklahoma State, number five. Tell me more about them. Yeah, with Oklahoma State, the two things, in my opinion, that are working against them this season, we've mentioned the quarterback. We can talk that up and down, specifically in this conference, and how vital that is to each of these teams and their success throughout the year. But the one thing that we haven't even mentioned concerning Oklahoma State has been their defensive line. They're really you mentioned it. Yeah, I missed it. My bad. My bad. <laughs> um, I was doing a little bit of reading, I guess, trying to make sure my notes were all in order. But when I'm looking at that at the defensive line, it is a major concern. It's a question mark for me. Pressuring the quarterback has become extremely important, as we saw with Oklahoma, if we want to use a comparison there, and just how weak the defense was because they couldn't get pressure on the quarterbacks. I think that's what we're seeing right now from Oklahoma State. Again, all of that can change before we get into the fall, but question mark, you mentioned quarterback, you mentioned defensive line. I'm repeating it. Apparently, we're on the same page, but I've got them at number five. That's hurtful, man. I'm just saying, I, I made this big <laughs> spiel while Oklahoma State was number six. And being bold on the on the teetering on bowl eligibility, <laughs> and I said the biggest thing is defense. Whatever, man, that's, I'm that's sorry. okay. My that's apologies. okay. No wonder people don't listen to our podcast. You don't even listen while we're recording it. Can we start over? <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, number five. This is where I've got. Um, this is where I've got TCU at number five, which it, shocks me. So well, tell but me here's why. The thing. Tell me why. But, but first, but here's the reason why. Here's what it comes down to. Gary Patterson is a heck of a football coach. Yeah. The guy can coach football. The majority of what he lost off of last year's team was on the defensive side of the ball, which is his strength. It's like, why are we not really worried a lot about Oklahoma losing some skill position players on offense? Well, it's because Lincoln Riley's an offensive mastermind. 
Gary Patterson is that same guy on the defensive side of the ball. He'll get his guys ready to play. They, they will be ready when August 31st rolls around and it's time to kick off the football season. I think the whole, I really, I think the whole spring game was smoke and mirrors. It is, I mean, you've got 85 guys on your team. You can, you can put together a spring game, right? But here's the thing. They're looking at the quarterback. And last year was a revolving door of quarterbacks. You got your your last year starter is now uh, at Kansas State. You know you you had this revolving door. You, you had I mean go back and look at their bowl game just for the just for the entertainment value of how bad it was. They actually had a guy in their bowl game uh, that they won by the way against Cal. They had a guy in the Cheez It Bowl who had drop foot and they had to play him at the quarterback for a couple plays and he had drop foot. He's literally out there playing football, playing quarterback, not just playing football, playing quarterback on one foot. Quarterback makes all the difference in the world. I talked about the kid transferring from Ohio State. There will be a good, healthy quarterback competition this summer. I think Patterson has like five guys he can choose from. TCU will be my bounce back team this year. They'll be bowl eligible again. They will make some noise. They're going to kind of play the role, in my opinion. They're going to play the role that Iowa State has played the last couple of years. When you look at – you don't watch football, but you look at Saturday evening or Sunday morning scoreboards, box scores, and you think – how do they lose to how do they lose to TCU? That's who I expect TCU to be number five in the Big 12 this year. My number four is going to be Matt Rule and the Baylor Bears. Why? Go for it. Well, Tell me. Enlighten me. Okay, they went from one win to seven wins mm-hmm. like that. Right. Some of it's scheduling, but some of it's better. And and uh, hey, look, I like their quarterback. I, I I mean they they could have a, Brewer yes yeah I, I talked about Texas Tech maybe a top three quarterback in the Big Twelve I I think Baylor maybe a top three quarterback in the Big Twelve they're 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 great needs in the defensive secondary okay that's going to be a, a thing that's going to really kind of struggle but I, I'm not a fan I'm I'm really not a fan of Matt Rule I really don't like the dude I'm just gonna throw that out there but you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't question what he's doing. You can't question when you look at the improvement, well, what he had when he came to Baylor. Now he's building off of a couple of recruiting classes, got them bowl eligible last year. They're building off of a seven win, same quarterback. I mean, they're, they're going to be good. I feel like Baylor is going to be in the conversation for one of those two spots in Arlington Going into November, Baylor Bears, number four, based off of quarterback, defensive line play, my question mark for them is in the secondary. At number four, then, I've actually got Iowa State. I think with Brock Purdy, a year in the role, going into his second year at the quarterback, probably one of the most underrated quarterbacks across the nation. Now, for us in the Big 12, we are familiar with that name. And if we're not, we will be before the end of the season. Why? He's a guy who ranked 15th nationally after taking over as the starting quarterback in Ames, Iowa, in completion percentage at 66.4%. I think you see that confidence continue to grow from that point. I think he's an incredible athlete, and they are certainly going to game plan offensively for his skill set this coming year instead of five games into the season 
swapping quarterbacks and him starting from that point on. Seven and two record is something to build on for them. They've got a lot going for them. As we know, they have played that role of the giant slayer. They have played the role of upsetting a couple of teams who were not only hopeful of competing for the Big 12 championship, but competing on a national scale as well. Mm -hmm. Iowa State and what they've got going for them is a very good thing right now how long is it going to last is the only question that i have for them because as far as i'm concerned it's not ending this year which puts me number three i'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt you for just a quick second Mm -hmm. a couple updates matthew baldwin is the quarterback who transferred from ohio state to missouri and you're uh you corrected me silently where no one no one could hear it but you're right uh alex dalton uh transferred from kansas state to tcu i was thinking about sean robinson the quarterback transferred to missouri Okay. He started the season last year for mm-hmm. TCU, is in Missouri now. But uh, Matthew Matthew Baldwin, four-star quarterback, coming to Fort Worth. Alex Delton also there in Fort Worth. Sean Robinson in Columbia, Missouri. Yep. Please tell us your number three. Number three, number three is where, where I am putting Baylor at this point in time. They do have that experience at the quarterback position that you've mentioned. But what really lifts them for me Not only is it the culture that's being created there, it's the fact I said Oklahoma State, you said Oklahoma State didn't have a defensive line. I think Baylor does have a a disruptive defensive line that they're going to be fielding this year. But they're weak in the secondary. They they are weak in the secondary, but I think that defensive line, if you can get pressure on the quarterback, will remove some of the inefficiencies, will remove some of those concerns from the secondary because that secondary isn't going to have to cover as long. So if Baylor is as dominant as we're expecting, Expecting to be up front on the defensive side, they're going to cause problems for opposing quarterbacks, especially those who want to just stand in the pocket and survey the field for 20 I have no idea how long, but if they're going to stand back, 20 seconds I know, I know. It's eternity. It is. If they're going to stand back and survey the field, they're going to be in trouble is all I'm saying. That's why I've got Baylor, regardless of their, their weaknesses, why I've got them at number three. All right, I, I've got Iowa State at number three. You've already talked about Brock Purdy. I, I'm going to th- just throw this in there. Uh, Iowa State exited spring football with probably the best offensive line in the Big 12. They've got all five starters back from last year. Uh, this is a group that's going to be, you know, Matt Campbell. I, I, you know, I love what this guy does. Um, but on both sides of the ball, his his players rally to him. They they are the underdog guys. They were very very close last year to making an appearance in the Big 12 championship. I believe they'll be close again this year, every bit as much as they were last year. The, there is a big question mark here, uh, and for me, it's at the cornerback position. Uh, but that said, they're getting a transfer, a graduate transfer from Rice. I don't know if the kid can play or not because I have never watched Rice football outside of the few times that they've played against Oklahoma. Uh, but um, I would say number three for me, based off of what they've got offensively, they're going to be they're going to be um, they're going to cause some problems. When you look at th- think about what we've talked about here on the Big 12 team so far, uh, we, we've talked about Kansas, Kansas State, West Virginia, Texas Tech. Oklahoma State. We those five there. We've talked about defensive struggles, right? Mm-hmm. We just got to Baylor where we said, "Hey, there's a good defensive line." So we're all the way into our number four, our number three spot before we're saying there's a really good defensive line. If you've got the best offensive line in the Big Twelve, man, you're just going to road grade those teams. You're going to create a lot of problems for them. And I know that you know they they lost Akeem Butler. Uh, I loved him as a pickup for the Arizona Cardinals to go with Kyler Murray. They lost some playmakers. They lost David Montgomery, who's with the Chicago. 
Chicago Bears now. Yeah, that's but, a really good point. But that said, average running backs look a lot better behind really good offensive lines. And I, I think they're going to be pretty good offensively. Big concern there's going to be a cornerback. That may ultimately end up costing them. But I would say we'll be right there in the thick of it as we hit mid-November uh, in the Big 12 championship race. Give us your number two. Well, I mean, I think we're there. Number two is the Texas Longhorns. And and here I've got – I mean, and I'm going to be honest with you. When it comes to the Texas Longhorns, I, I've got a lot of questions here. I do. They, they've got talent. I, I don't think Sam Ellinger is an elite quarterback. I know that drives people nuts in Austin, Texas, because they want to come up with a reason in a way that he is the best quarterback in the Big 12, but he's not. He, he really – I mean, go, go back to the Big 12 championship game. And think about the corner blitz for the safety. That wasn't blindside. That was right at his face, right? And he took an extra drop into the end zone. He didn't have to be in the end zone, but he he didn't know where he was on the field, and he didn't realize the blitz was coming right out of his face. You can't make that type of mistake in that type of a crucial game and say you're the best quarterback in the Big 12. Now, he could be one of the top quarterbacks in the Big 12. I don't think he is the top quarterback in the Big 12. And they're going to they're gonna come into the season with a lot well, of— You're saying he's in the top 10. He's in, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, they're going to come into the season with a lot of uh, momentum you know, after beating up a— uh, uh, you know, Georgia, good win. That's a good win for them. In, yeah, in I don't the buy the excuses. Um, I, I didn't buy him with Alabama. And no, I, I feel don't buy yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't make excuses either. That was a mm. good win for Texas. But that said, on the defensive side of the ball, what you got to realize with Texas is that they have lost their top playmaker at every level of the defense. Defensive line, linebacker, secondary, their top playmaker is gone. So when you say, what do they need coming in uh, to this season? Well, they, they, their biggest question mark is they need playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Now, 15 years ago, Texas just plugs the next guy in, right? But after the Charlie Strong years and after what, you know, what's, what's going on, have they built, you know, do they have, you've got an offensive-minded coach. You still got struggles on the defensive side of the ball, even with him being there. Have they built depth on the defensive side of the ball? Well, we're about to find out because if they can't fill those holes and they have to fill them all, you can't have that one gap because we, you just talked about, you know, if, if you're, if your defensive line is solid, it makes your secondary a lot better. If your defensive line is not solid and your secondary is not solid, you got open guys all over the field and you have quarterbacks with time to throw the ball. That's going to be the make or break thing for Tom Herman this year. He has to address the defensive side of the ball. Oh, and by the way, who's going to run the ball for them? They're still got struggles at the running back position and they lost some key pieces of their offensive line. Number two, but number two with a lot of question marks in my opinion. It's not just what Texas is losing on the defensive side of the ball because they brought in one of the top five recruiting classes. We know that you can plug in freshmen to play these roles expect freshman mistakes but you can still plug in guys who are at who are young yeah and they're gonna still have play to. that position they're gonna yeah, have I, to i agree with it um and the reality for me is i'm looking not necessarily at the defense not not at the running game but i'm looking at what sam ellinger loses in little jordan humphrey yeah, but here's the thing. I I get that, but he still has. If you look at that receiver roster and you look at the breakdown of their, I mean, even the guys that are coming back experience. What you see there is you see a lot of uh, length. I mean, they're still they still got big receivers. Right, um, but the talk of the town has been Brew McCoy. 
Well, but he's on the he's going to play on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they, they can't they can't not play him on the defensive. Right, There's so many holes over there. They have to play him on the defensive side of the ball. But that said, I I when when if I'm going to break down the Texas offense, Ellinger is what Ellinger is. Okay, but he still needs a running back, and he they, you got to fill some holes on the offensive line. I don't question receivers. I think his receivers are going to be pretty talented this year. That's not what I'm worried about when I'm talking about the Texas Longhorns offense. Yeah, my just my my general take here, why I've got Texas at number two is after they defeated Georgia, there was a statement made from Sam, Sam Ellinger oh, yeah, that yeah. said Texas is back. Mm-hmm. They had one season. This is their year to prove that for me. I've got them at number two because they do have the talent. All the pieces are there for Texas to have a successful season. I just need them to prove it. But for now, I've got them at that number two position, which leaves us Oklahoma as number one. Regardless of the defensive concerns, we think, I don't know about you, but at least what I've been reading is everyone thinks Alex Grinch is going to come in and that the changes he's making, simplifying as well as slimming these guys down is going to be the answer to some of the woes that we experienced not only last year, but for the past two seasons with this defense. And it can go even further beyond that. I'm just looking at the past two years. If Alex Grinch can change that philosophy, change the mentality, Matt, as we've been talking, I think he's on his way to success, but I'm not expecting it to be an overnight turnover in the fact that Oklahoma goes from extremely terrible. What was the number? 121? 117? 118? Where they were ranked defensively last year? Oh, I yeah. Well, I can't just, remember. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're not going to go from that number yeah. to, to yeah. a top 25 defense but, overnight, and yes, that's not what right. I'm expecting. The other concerns we have, the offensive line as well as the quarterback – Got weapons all over the place. I don't understand why you wait, got wait, quarterback listen, as listen, a concern. Listen, I, okay. Because it's it's a new it's a new quarterback, Matt, coming from a different style offense where people are still questioning can this guy throw the ball? Because that is what Lincoln Riley's offense is built off mm-hmm. of is the ability to make things happen. Well, now it is to make things happen with your feet, but also to throw off of the run. We saw Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray do that and have tremendous success as defenses collapsed all around them. Is a guy like Jalen Hurts going to be able to replicate that? Here's where I was going with that. That was a little side note. Um, I said we've got a new offensive line. We've got a, a new quarterback. But we still have Bill Biedenboe who's coaching that offensive line and Lincoln Riley who's handling the quarterbacks. Regardless of what name pops out of a hat, I think that Bill Biedenboe and Lincoln Riley could be successful. Absolutely. I, I've got when you, when you look at Oklahoma going into 2019, I've got zero concerns on the offensive side of the ball. I I, I mean I've got questions. Mm-hmm. I, I want to. I, I, we don't know who the starting five on the offensive yeah, line is going to be. It's not the weakest um, point. The weakest you, link. You know, well, I don't even think there's a weakness. Honestly, I don't see a weakness on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is not Kyler Murray, but guess what? Kyler Murray wasn't Baker Mayfield. That whole thing turned out pretty good. And if we're expecting him to be a Kyler Murray, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. Well, but are we? Because here's we we said the same thing about Kyler Murray a year ago. I'm saying if we expect Jalen Hurts to be Kyler Murray, that's a disappointment. But we 
but in what aspect? In the way he runs? In the way he throws? Are the no, numbers the, the numbers, the numbers he produced? Because he's mm-hmm. going to produce numbers. He mm-hmm. is going to produce out of this world numbers, just like Baker did, just right. like Kyler but did. But they're going to do it in their own unique way. Well, here's what you've got to look at when it comes to Oklahoma's <laughs> offense. And I said the same thing about Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was better than expected. But what I said was, look at not the don't compare stat to stat with Baker Mayfield, but look at efficiency. How many points per possessions are we getting out of Kyler Murray? Mm-hmm. It was extremely high. I don't see why it can't be that way with Jalen Hurts. You've got a, a very talented, experienced receiver core. You've got new guys in that receiver core who are maybe more talented across the board than the guys that are out there on the field and has a very bright future for the next three years because those guys aren't staying on campus for four years. So you're deep. We've talked about the depth at receiver. It's it's not possible to play all these guys, but all these guys can play. You've got running back. You got Kennedy Brooks. You got Trey Sermon. You've got holes on the offensive line. There's the question marks. But at the end of the day, there are no concerns on this offense. There there are who's going to play on the offensive line. Does RJ Proctor come in there and does he become an immediate starter? I think yes, but we don't know. But I'm not worried about Jalen Hurts. He is not the prototypical Lincoln Riley quarterback, but Lincoln Riley isn't your prototypical offensive line, offensive uh, lineman, offensive coordinator either. The guy can flat out coach, and he's going to coach his way through this system in in a way that it's going to put up big numbers for Jalen Hurts. There's a reason when we've talked about this in past episodes. There's a real reason Jalen Hurts is in Norman. Because he knows it's his best chance to enter into that NFL conversation. And I believe, before the guy's even been named the starting quarterback officially, Jalen Hurts is going to be a top 10 pick in next year's NFL draft. Because of the numbers he's going to put up at the University of Oklahoma. Go back and look at his track record at Alabama. Look at his passing efficiency. And here's the thing that a lot of people miss when they're saying, oh, he can't be like Kyler Murray. We don't want him to be like Kyler Murray. Go back and look at his rushing averages. Look how many yards he averages per carry. Look at the success he's had on the ground. It's just in Alabama, they choose to run the ball a different way. But Jalen Hurts, if you're thinking the guy can't run, he is a bigger-bodied version of Kyler Murray. Where Kyler had to slide and step out of bounds to protect his own self, Jalen can take a hit, and he can give a hit. They're probably still going to have him slide and step out of bounds because we've talked about the depth behind him. Right. But that said... I got no worries about the offense. My worry is on the defense. <laughs> I, and, and I've said this since day one. I, I, I'm, I, I'm a fan of the Grinch hire. I think that uh, that he, he the philosophy he has of going and getting the ball is a good philosophy. But I haven't changed at all, even after the spring game. I have not changed on the personnel. The 11 guys are on the field. There's the issue with the defense. That's the struggle. And you've got to replace some of these 11 guys before that defense gets better. Now, here's the thing. You talked about the defense being 100-plus in the rankings last year, which is true. But imagine imagine how much better this Oklahoma football team would have been if the defense was just in the 80s. I mean, think about it. If they just improved into the 80s, I don't think Oklahoma is going to be a top 25 defense next year. But if they can be top 70 if, I, I think it makes a big difference on what this defense can do and what this team can do and what they can accomplish. Give them 
give them one or just give them one more stop against Texas in the regular season. Just give them one more stop, one stop. And you know what? They're winning that game, and Oklahoma's undefeated through the regular season and, and probably has a different seed in the playoff. They're probably not the four seed at that point. Give them three more stops against Alabama and think how much more interesting that game is if they just got yeah, just three, three more stops st- at the beginning of the game. Hey, well, that's what I'm saying. would have been a yes. complete, yeah. And complete, that's, this, this defense does not have to turn. They don't have to fix it overnight, but they got to get better. I don't know. I, when I when I said um, when I said uh, on my notes, Big Twelve, Oklahoma football, greatest need is just defense. Mm-hmm. Not not on the particular level across the board, defense. Right. I'm not sold that the mentality has changed on these guys yet, but I, I do we'll like where September Grinch. 1st. Well, I do. I, start, and, and I like where Grinch is the start of that. I like where Grinch is heading with them. He's rich. I'm Matt. You're listening to Center Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Let's talk about recruiting. Oklahoma looking at 2020 right now, the top class in the Big 12, uh, number 14 nationally. Big news coming out on Monday. Nate Anderson, four-star offensive tackle out of Frisco, Texas, Reedy High School, uh, makes a commitment to the University of Oklahoma. When you look at the way this class is breaking down right now, you see, uh, first of all, the the, the crown jewel, if you will, of the class is five-star running back Jace McClellan um, out of uh, Aldo, Texas. Um, you know, number four running back in the nation, number three out of the state of Texas. And then you kind of get you, Nate Anderson offensive line, but then you get into uh, really what what needs to be a – a defensive heavy draft. You get DJ Graham, who could play on either side of the ball. Michael Henderson, play either side of the ball. Ryan Watts, four-star cornerback. Um, Michael Henderson, I think I did. I just say him, his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then you've got uh, you got the three-star receiver in Trevin West. Um, what what do you see as the needs on this defense? When you when you look at Oklahoma's twenty twenty class, what do they need to focus on? I think the biggest needs along the defensive line, most specifically. At defensive tackle, when you lose one from the 2019 signing class through the transfer portal, it immediately puts the biggest need on that position. No questions about it if you're asking me. I know that this class is set to grow. It's at twenty. It's at it's at seven. It'll easily be at twenty plus if you're asking me. By the time that that recruiting that signing period. Comes. Matt, if you're talking about all the defensive changes, I think we're going to see some attrition. Well, they're going to have to fill those roles. So I'm saying I I believe it'll be about that 20, 20 plus number at this point in time. That's regardless. That's beside the point. The biggest need defensive tackle. I don't know who's going to fill that void. I don't know who they're courting at this point in time, but they have to address it sooner. No pun Uh, intended. Rather than later. Um, I, yeah, defensive line is absolutely one of the things that I, that I, that I was saying they needed, uh, they need to hit on, but also I think this is a big recruiting class for running backs. You got Jason yeah, already, agree. uh, but you're going to lose Trey Sermon. I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent confident you're going to lose Trey Sermon. Um, and you've got two guys that are, they're very capable guys right now behind Trey Sermon, but it's time to start bringing that next crop of guys in. And so I feel like, um, I really feel like uh, running back is going to be a need that they hit. And then let me just give you one more, and I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, is I, I think, um, you know, first of all, I want to say Zachary Evans is the running back that everybody wants, number one running back in the country. I, I don't think they're going to get him, but 
but they they do have a chance with Kendall Milton out of Clovis, California, uh, which is a five-star running back as well. It, it, there's a possibility that Oklahoma could end up with two five-star running backs in this class. Um, more than likely not, but at least there's a possibility. There's probably more of a possibility with the kid, the McGowan kid out of Mesquite, Texas. But my, my other spot was going to be uh, really it's kind of a – to me, it's a toss-up, and maybe you'll you'll break the tie. But I look at offensive line, and I look at linebacker, and I think you you got to feel holes in, in offensive line, offensive and line linebacker? and linebacker. And I don't know if I if I can teeter one more than the other. Uh, but if I if I had to, I think I I would probably put linebacker ahead of offensive line. I wasn't even going to touch on either of those. Oh, okay. I, I do think the linebacker is is a specific need. Right. Um, but it's not just any linebacker you obviously have to look at kenneth murray and the potential for him to be a first round draft pick next year that's who everyone's predicting comes out first for oklahoma as a first round draft pick next year you have to look at addressing that just prepare matt just prepare okay i don't see any way that's possible i mean i'm just for him to be a first round draft pick or for for him to leave i i think kenneth murray is gonna be back after next i really do I, i i just i like the kid he he's young he he's got the body. I mean, and that's what everyone's saying that they're they're <laughs> basing on his measurables. I mean, he six that's, two, but the thing is, Matt, that goes a long way it in the does, NFL draft. It does, but so does tape. So does film. Apparently, not not no, as far it, as measurables you know, go. Well, look, Orlando I, Brown. <laughs> I well, totally apples to oranges there. Okay, apples to oranges. <laughs> I, I I love Kenneth Murray. I don't see him coming out after his junior year and being an, uh, being a, a, a first round draft pick. I just I don't see it. But go ahead, keep 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 talking. That's fine. We can disagree on that. All I'm saying is you have to prepare for replacing a guy at the caliber of Kenneth Murray, whether that's this year or when he's a senior next year. Why not bring in a guy in the middle? The the bigger one for me though is looking at that role that we really expected a guy like Caleb Kelly to fill. A guy who has the speed to flow towards the ball if we were going to go back to a Venables style of defense and those linebackers flowing sideline to sideline. I'm not saying that's what Oklahoma is going to do, but they're at least looking for guys who have some speed. And that's Caleb Kelly for me. Out of all the players at linebacker on the roster, he and Buzzy were those two guys Mm -hmm. for me. Obviously, you lose Curtis Bolton. Now you've got Caleb Kelly who's injured. Who's really going to fill that role? Need to begin addressing that through the stream of recruits coming in to Norman. But I was going to say one of the bigger ones I think that needs to be addressed specifically is the cornerback situation. And it's not because there isn't depth there. It's not because there aren't players there. It's because of the quality of the play at that specific position. Oh, snap. Okay. I can call it out. Yeah, it's yeah, all go good. ahead. Yeah, It's all good. Maybe if everything comes together, I'll change my mind this year. But – cornerbacks is something that I think needs to be addressed and it needs to be, it's, it's just a talent issue, a level of talent. Maybe it's that mentality, Matt, that you've been talking about, but something's got to change there. So where I'm at defensive tackle running back number two, and then, and then cornerback specific, but you could make it a little bit wider of a net and say defensive backs. Yeah. I I think, I mean, like you're losing Parnell Motley and it seems like he's been on campus for, a thousand years. Um, but there's guys out there like, you know, Trey Brown's going to go into his junior year. Um, you've got guys like Starlin Baldwin, Miguel Edwards, that we had just haven't really seen a lot from these guys. We don't know what they can do, but I agree with what you're saying. Um, there, there's gotta be, 
some of that's going to be, you know, and again, some of that could be is where does um, where does Buki play in on this? That's you know, what, where, where does, I don't know. Where does where do they end up putting him? So those kind of things that come back uh, around. Uh, we we've got to start wrapping up. Uh, I want to I want to throw out two things real fast um, that are just not Oklahoma football related, but um, Big Twelve softball tournament gets underway Friday. The Oklahoma Sooners, uh, the number one seed, second year in a row that they've they've gone through the Big Twelve undefeated, eighteen and 0, two years in a row in Big Twelve play. Uh, I was there Saturday night in Norman. Uh, to watch them win the Big 12, you know, and I asked, I, I asked um, Patty Gasso after the game uh, specifically about the pitchers because uh, that's been a hot topic with you and I. By the way, Giselle Juarez, uh, 13 <laughs> strikeouts. I asked Giselle, uh, and I, it's funny because I don't know if you got to see the game, but but she kind of got jammed up in the sixth. Oklahoma State, it was a it was a three to uh, no, I think at that point it was two to nothing, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State got the bases loaded, and then Giselle records her tenth strikeout of the game to end the sixth, and then she goes into the seventh, and she gets her eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth strikeout of the game. And I said it to her, and those, and exactly those words, I said, you know, because I, I, I wanted my question was about her mindset. How did she go in the dugout in between those innings? How did she get her mind right? And I said, you got your 11th, 12th, and 13th strikeout in the seventh inning. And she just kind of like shook and, and, and looked at me. And, I, and she answered the question. And then I said, based on your answer, I'm assuming you had no idea you had 13 strikeouts. And she's like, no, I, I had no idea. <laughs> but I asked Patagasso about Shannon Sale and Giselle Juarez if there's an advantage there to these teams having not seen her, seen either one of those pitchers yet. And Patty said, yeah, there, there really is. That said, going into this Big 12 tournament now, Oklahoma plays twice on Friday. They win both of those games. They're going to be playing in the in the championship game uh, on Saturday. Do do these Big 12 offenses do a little bit better their second time around against these girls? That That's the big question. Second big question is, do you get Bedlam uh, round four for the championship on Saturday night? It's I'm going to answer the second question first because it's it's very possible. You saw them in person. I take your word on this, but we've talked so much about this Oklahoma team, their offense, and the the pitchers they're throwing in the circle. That's really been the bread and butter for this team because they can manage defensively, but Oklahoma State – by far and away, looks like the best defensive team They're in the good. conference. I'm not talking about pitching. I'm talking about in the field. Like well, I said, I'm taking yeah, I mean, your word on this. They, so, any, they, nothing was hard. I mean, there was a few things that got through. You know, Grace Green had a shot in the in the sixth inning that just – the only reason it got through was because it was straight up the third baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, they, they absorb and they play really well on the infield. And really, Oklahoma – they, they got it rolling when they just put the ball where it can't be played. You know, they put it over the fence uh, with back-to-back home runs in that opening game on Saturday that ended up being uh, the Big 12 championship. Sorry, I, I jumped you're, in there. You're you good. thoughts? Yeah, I, I think Texas could honestly challenge. I think Texas Tech could challenge, but if there are – Well, Texas Tech's going to be on Oklahoma's side. If there are – yeah, I mean <laughs> – all right. If they upset someone, I'm not calling it. I think right. Oklahoma is the clear favorite for a reason, but I think Tech could challenge a team like Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma State could challenge a team like Oklahoma, and I think Texas could challenge 
I mean, any four of those teams could really make just a couple of plays here and there that turn the tides in their favor. Needless to say, when I'm looking at Oklahoma, I was trying to pull up these numbers because I, I don't have them off the top of my head. But I firmly believe, you can disagree with me on this, that under Patty Gasso, the best team she's ever put on the field was 2015. 2015-2016. One of the Women's College World Series, Paige Parker, Four perfect games right. during that season. I do know that one. Um, but outside of that, all these other players were freshmen that, that we're seeing right now. I think this 2019, 2018, 2019 team is going to rival that 2015. They started just in the spring. It's just one season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking basketball numbers um, for no, some I, But I, this 2019 but team I, is going to rival this 2015 I have team. said that this team is the best team Patty's had since that national championship team, the, the last national championship That's team, which was what you're talking about. And I agree. You're talking 2016. I'm talking 2015. Well, still, I, I think the, this team, when you look at the depth of pitching, that 2016 team to me was a little bit better because of Paige Lowry. Mm-hmm. And, but this team, when you look at the depth of pitching, you look at their, their ability to, to put the ball in play or put the ball out of the park. They're 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 every bit on par with those. You know who's not on par right now is baseball. The Sooners swept by Texas Tech over the weekend. Oklahoma they're they're in a little bit of trouble now. They're they're two games below 500. They've got the Bedlam series coming up this weekend. Which oh by the way, Oklahoma State just goes to Oregon and takes it sweeps the number two team in the nation, Oregon State in Corvallis. Now they come home ready for Bedlam, Oklahoma. This is when we were talking last week about them for sure being a tournament team. You're two games below 500 in conference play. You're about to play Oklahoma State. On the backside of that, you've got Texas. Two huge weekends for Oklahoma coming up back to back. Sooners cannot find themselves in a position where they get swept in Bedlam going into that Texas series. Mm -hmm. They've got to win the Texas series, in my opinion, but they can't get swept in Bedlam. And that is a tall task to ask for. Just a quick side note on the softball thing. 16-17 were the national championships. Not 15. I'm a year off. That's okay. My bad. When it comes to baseball, man, I I still continue to draw comparisons to the basketball team. And the reason I said last week, Matt, when you and I gathered and put together this podcast was they did great at the beginning of the season and then conference play just completely demolished them. Now, they were competitive, and that's exactly what this baseball team has been for me. They're competitive. They're just not getting the wins that they need. doesn't change the outcome of the season for them, in my opinion. It is going to change their seeding here and there, whether that's the Big 12 tournament, whether that's the the NCAA tournament. But you're absolutely right. These next two series are 100% crucial. Oklahoma has to make some noise has to get some confidence going into the postseason. Because if it doesn't happen here, they go on six straight losses. It'd be nine mm-hmm. straight losses. Well, not only are are they in danger of slipping out well, of that? Field? That's that's what I'm talking about. Right. Because look, you just got swept by Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. You're playing an even better team in Oklahoma State. If you get swept, yeah, Oklahoma State's better than Tech. In my opinion, I'm not. Okay. I mean, you're looking at rankings. Texas no, no, no. Tech's I'm top not 10. looking at rankings. I mean, I'm just curious. I'm telling you, Oklahoma State just went and swept, not bet, not beat, but they swept the number two team in the country on the road in Corvallis. This is a team, Oklahoma State, that's playing really, really good baseball right now. If you get swept again, you've lost six in a row, and you're five games below 500, and then you go into that that 
series against Texas. And not only do you need to win that series, but you have to sweep the Longhorns. And I know this isn't your typical Texas football. Uh, what sport are we talking about? Baseball. baseball. This isn't your typical Texas baseball team. They're, they're not as good as they have been in years past. But still, it's Texas, and it's the rivalry. you got to win that series. Fortunately, it's in Norman. you got to win it. But if you get swept by Oklahoma State this weekend, you got to sweep Texas. Again, two very tall tasks ahead of Oklahoma. It's going to be a big, big two weekends for Oklahoma baseball because I, I think if you go in there – Seven, eight games below 500. There, there's some serious question marks about uh, your worthiness. And then, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta make some. If you're, if that's the case, then you, your last ditch hope is to make some noise in the Big 12 tournament. And even if they get swept by Oklahoma State and take the series from Texas, I feel like they still might need to make some noise in the Big 12 tournament. That's going to wrap it up for us. He's Rich. I'm Matt. You can uh, check us out at Heartland Sports. Heartland-sports.com is where you can find us. We're available on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Or at Sports Heartland on Twitter is where you can find us. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, if you got questions, cots, uh, cots? questions, thoughts, comments, or suggestions for the podcast, we'd love to hear those as well. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Former Sooner. <laughs>